0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and this is the Coworking Weekly Show, episode number eight. Before we start, I just want to say a quick thank you for listening to the show. Wherever you are in the world, wherever it is that you listen, I don't know if you listen while you're commuting to and from... Your co-working space or wherever you work, if you listen at the gym, on airplanes, trains, while you're running, wherever it is, I'm extremely thankful that you let me and my guests and friends into a, a part of your day. Uh, it just means a ton to me. And I also really love hearing from all of you on Twitter and over email, uh, letting me know what it is that you love about the show, what it is that I can make better. Please keep that stuff coming. Uh, it just really feeds me and gets me excited about what we can do next Um, This week, I'm being joined by a new guest to the show. His name is Sean Martirana. Uh, Sean's a member of Indie Hall, and he's largely responsible for the evolution of the arts community within our co-working space. Uh, our arts community which is affectionately self-designated as Indy Hall Arts uh, naturally is one of my favorite subcommunities to share with people when they're trying to understand how subcommunities actually work within larger communities and ecosystems because Indy Hall Arts is one of these things that I've seen influence and contribute to nearly every other aspect of Indy Hall And it's not an accident, I think it's in big part due to Sean's style of participation and really how he leads this community. So I asked Sean to join me on the show with a couple of thoughts in mind. First, I want to try and help people understand exactly how a professional artist is a better fit for a co-working space than you might imagine. I know it wasn't an obvious fit to me at first, but it's led to some really interesting and valuable interactions. And Sean's story is one uh, that I think is a lot to learn from in terms of how someone starts to fit into a community when they're the only one who does the kind of work that they do. So there's a lot to listen for there. But I also wanted to talk about events. Uh, and I know events are a big part of co-working culture. But I also see a lot of people sort of stabbing in the dark when it comes to events, spending lots of time and and sometimes money and wondering if it's really worth all the trouble. And I think it's important to be intentional in designing the experiences that people have when they come to your events. So on the show today, you're going to be able to learn from Sean's approach as an artist, but also a designer uh, who really creates and designs full experiences. And he's done this for dozens and dozens and dozens of events. There's so much to learn about how that intentionality can actually contribute to the community experience at an event. Instead of just getting people in a room, I'm actually bringing people together, how to invite more participation and ultimately leave a lasting impact. I've learned a ton from watching Sean produce a whole range of events from solo art shows to massive and collaborative, multidisciplinary, really craziness. Um, what's amazing and worth learning from is that all of these shows have been commercial successes and have become meaningful experiences that bring people together and inspire people even after the event is over. Every one of these events has worked because every event is designed with intent. So even if you're not an artist, Sean is someone that I think everyone can learn from when it comes to designing intentional experiences for your events and, more importantly, for the people who you invite to them. Now, speaking of invitations, I'd like to invite you to contribute to the show. In really, it's a small way, but I think it can make a big impact. So I've been really enjoying reading some of the iTunes reviews that listeners have left. Uh, some of them have been really thoughtful, and I thought it would be nice to start sharing them back with other listeners, and also make it a way that I can sort of give a shout out to people who are supporting the show and letting other people know about it. So. If you want, you can head over to iTunes and search for Coworking Weekly Show, or I set up a little shortcut for you. You can go to CoworkingWeekly.com slash show and click the little blue button to launch iTunes and go directly in where you can can review. Um, Leave an honest review, of course. Uh, Maybe something you learned, something you were inspired by, or how the show has helped you do something with your community. I'll choose from the best reviews and read them in future episodes. And if you include a little bit of information about yourself and your community, I'll make sure that you can get a personal shout-out, something identifying so people know it's you, uh, along with the reading of the review. Okay, that's more than enough for today. really want to get on with the show. Thanks again for listening. Please welcome my guest, the newest guest of the co Weekly Show, Sean Martarana. It was actually, it was your brother, Dave, who's correct. been a member of Indie Hall since the very beginning. Dave joined Indie Hall on, really on mm-hmm. day one of, uh, of our opening, um, became a really fast member of the community. Dave and I actually collaborated on some projects like, uh, Two Guys on Beer was a, a beer review podcast. That was probably my first foray into podcasting. I hadn't even thought about it while working sure. on, on this show. Yeah. Um, and, if I remember right, getting to know you wasn't really even happening so much at Indy Hall. It was you know hanging out at our our local Watering Hall National Mechanics more than anything else. What were some of your your early impressions of of what Indy Hall was and what co working was?
1: Yeah, you know, having my brother around that was kind of a, a fluent transition. I really did want to get away from. Uh, doing more corporate design work and really focus on my artwork and my brand. And my brother just said, you know what, just start hanging out. I was already living in the city, so you just let me know when they're going to the bar or when you guys were uh, doing a meetup or, you know, just hanging out. And um, that was really nice because at that time I really didn't have a large group of people to hang out with in Philadelphia. So – um it was just a natural fit. I mean, everybody that, you know, me, me and my brother grew up together, we're very close. So all his friends really are naturally become my friends, you know.
0: So for the longest, as long as I can remember, you're really like the only artist, fine artist at Indy Hall. Did that make you feel like, you know, there was
1: something to break into? How, how, did, how did you figure out sort of what your place at Indy Hall was? I just started, you know, coming here just to say hi and just stopping in and seeing the space. And, uh, Carol asked me to hang some artwork for a post, uh, a stu- open studio tour. And so I just brought in some artwork then. I wasn't even a member or a part of her indie hall at that time, and I just brought in some artwork for that so people could take a tour and look at some artwork. And um, that just kind of, uh, that was the snowball that started rolling.
0: You yeah. Know? I, I remember that sort of seeding a transition as well. Before you got involved in Indie Hall, Sean, I think the extent of our art on the walls was, uh, posters. Um, some if of, <laughs> some of, some of which might have been framed. Most of them were hung up with thumbtacks, you know, the, the usual motivational, inspirational posters sure. and maybe some stuff that was mm-hmm. made by friends. Um, one of the things that I remember about you, like sort of where where you turned a corner, um, was when you actually started painting on the walls.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I think, you know, that initial hanging of the artwork, you know, there was no timeline to take them down, so people got used to them, people really enjoyed seeing them, and um, you, you mentioned, hey, Sean, if you want to hang more artwork or do whatever you want, and I remember that. Do whatever you want was a very dangerous thing to say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, you, you gave me kind of the green light, and I was like, Whoa, 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 you know, you give me the green light, I'm going to go nuts. And you told me to just fucking do it. And um, that's what I did. I just started painting on the walls. I didn't really have a studio space or anywhere to paint uh, anywhere else. And you had, Indie Hall had these beautiful, large walls for me to just experiment on. So, well,
0: and so for the the listeners that are thinking like, okay, Alex, you're clearly crazy to let uh, you know an artist come in and just like do whatever he wants on the walls it didn't it didn't start and I think Sean uh, describing uh, what, what he does is you know just throwing paint around and things like that might be might be uh, sounding a little more chaotic than it really is sure the The, the sort of experience that I remember was the bar camp. I don't know if it was a pre-party or an after-party that we did at Indie Hall. I want to say it was around two thousand. Well, it was we were in our current space. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna say it was early two thousand, or rather late two thousand nine, like fall two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. And we did this party. And one of the things about our parties and our events in general, they're they're more like an experience. This is something that that I, I think we should talk a, a little bit more about in a minute. But this party wasn't just the usual, you know, people gathering in a room and, uh, you know, sucking down beers and, and playing loud music. We made it sort of like a like a carnival almost. There was little was. activity stations. Um, yeah. And one of those activity stations was something that, that you had led. And it was the painting of – it was our first mural truly yeah absolutely and you projected a map of philadelphia on the wall and then invited participants of this party to come in maybe they've never held a paintbrush before and to paint in their street
1: well yeah i'm glad you brought that up because it was it was okay we wanted to do something that involved paint on the wall and we didn't know exactly what to do or what to paint and we also had a whole bunch of people that I didn't really know their skill of holding a paintbrush or painting something. So what we decided is on this front wall where everybody walked in, why not do a map? Uh, so when people walk in, new people walk in or people that were visiting could actually use this mural uh, effectively to see where they are. And we can point out where they need to go if they had to go somewhere in the city. And um so I just went on the computer and made a very black and white map of the city and projected it on, and people were able to just trace, and uh, it was it was beautiful. I really didn't have to coach or do anything; it was just a natural interactive activity that really turned out really well. And the map is still at in, on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's lasted that again since two thousand and nine, so coming up on five years. And, you know, you went in and sort of filled in the remaining streets that didn't get painted in, painted in the parks. And we ended up with yeah. this, with this really cool looking and to your point, sort of functional. You know, there's a little red dot. You are here and the parks Absolutely. are green. So, you know, you can go to a place nearby to get some green space. Um, and also the fact that, you know, Philadelphia, I think place is a big part. Uh, of what makes a co-working space in Philadelphia and being proud of being in Philadelphia. Like I, I, Jeff and I have said since the beginning um, of Indie Hall, we're not a co-working space in Philadelphia. We're a co-working space for Philadelphia. Sure. And our, the city we're in is, is such a big part of the canvas of who we are. So to take that quite literally and, and put it on the wall, created this um, and, and make it participatory, made it made it really, really cool. It was after that, that was when I remember giving you the sort of oh, okay. a green light. <laughs> yeah, right. um, it had gone from sort of more temporary, you know, hanging of some, some artwork, some photos and things like that to, well, hey, Sean, we've got, you know, tens of thousands of square feet of wall. If that was fun and it looked like fun, we'd be happy to do more of that and think that that would bring another level of dimension to sort of the visual experience of Indy Hall.
1: Well, really, I it was kind of a blank canvas. I mean, the walls were colored, you know, painted with color, but it was a blank canvas. So I just started painting on the pillars because that was like a 3D canvas for me. It wasn't just a flat wall and I could like paint and wrap around and I just did one. I recorded it, video recorded it, so I had documentation of it, and um it felt really good, and I got such a great response, I just went to the next pillar, and then the next pillar.
0: I think the fact that you recorded it, and this is something that I've seen you do with your art that, I again, I think sets you apart sort of inviting people into the sort of making experience mm-hmm. um, there's a, i think a notion you know, co-working spaces you know the the question who it's for and and the word maker comes up and i think you're you're a maker in a more uh, traditional sense in the fact that a lot of the things that you make are, are real world and tangible you do you know the visual art you do jewelry you've experimented yes. with 3d printing um, and all kinds of things that i think artists um, aren't Always thinking about and the fact that you open up your process by doing, for instance, a time-lapsed uh, a video of the process of painting a mural that's you know uh, ten feet tall and you know wraps around a pillar. That's that sure. you, you know that, that's a that's a, a sizable piece of work, um, and to to be able to show our community, you know, on one hand, I think there's there's a little bit of magic to come in one morning and. And there's new art on the wall. That's that's an experience that you get if you you come into Indy Hall. Uh, Always. You could be gone for a week. You could be gone for six weeks. You'd be gone for six months. Uh, and you could, <laughs> you could be gone for a day. You could be gone for. It's totally true. One of the, one of the, the many things that uh, sort of makes it, it sort of feel alive is that the art is moving. There's being added to, and the art, um, even the the relatively permanent stuff. Can change, can move, can be added to. Um, I think that the I don't know the the fact that something can go on a wall and just as quickly be taken down or painted over and put back up is also kind of kind of a crazy thing. So you started literally painting on walls, bringing in more of your art, and then. I, was the next like major turning point when we expanded in 2012 and, and had the, the ground floor entrance, was there something in between that I'm not remembering?
1: I think just right before that happened, um, another illustrator by the name of Mike Jackson started coming around and hanging out. So he started coming, and that was like the first that it, it, I wasn't the only visual artist at that point, and I was the first... Uh, uh, collaborations and say so he started coming around more and more and i i kept encouraging him to hang up artwork but my artwork was covering the walls and then we expanded and we had a lot more wall space to deal with
0: all right so this is interesting so this started out sort of in a way the sean Martorana show this was it really was, this yes. was you me, me trusting you giving you the green light to install art create art um murals depositors yeah I mean right. so and it's, I guess I think it's worth saying like this you doing things in the wall was not the, the full-time job you you're doing other projects work for clients selling your art and things like that this is just sort of uh, you in a way making indie hall into sort of like a living uh, like a living portfolio
1: yeah it was a living portfolio but in a way it was part of my job because um it was a place that I could experiment and I could get feedback from people that don't know anything about art or people that know a lot about art. Um, But it was also a way to use art as to see how art can affect a workplace, Uh, like just like the conference room walls. You know, we wanted a divider on the windows, but we didn't want to cover them up completely. So I painted a mural on the walls that was see-through so we could see who's in and out. And that had a great reaction. Um, Some things didn't take, you know. Um, So I think that it was part of my job to experiment and to see what worked and what didn't.
0: That's I really like the way you sort of frame that is sort of thinking about how art can affect a workplace. Some things being functional, other things, you know, come to mind. you know, I, as our community has grown and evolved, we've done a lot of work to sort of try and find out what it is that pe- attracts people to Indie Hall versus another place. And sure. the fact that our head to toe Indie Hall is covered in artwork comes up a lot. Absolutely. And it's something that I think people say speaks to our values. And it's not even the contents of the art often. It's the fact that we value art and that um, style of creativity um, and also diversity. The fact that it's, you know, not white walls with, you know, um, you know, sort of tech scene posters and stuff like that. Your you bringing art into indie hall was a big step. If I mean, I don't know if I could qualify it against others, but easily one of the biggest steps to inviting more diversity. Um, and I think that's that's a, a really interesting thing to consider. When you think about what impact art is going to have on the place is who's going to be attracted to it and how it's going to help people make a decision about this is a place where I want to work because everyone that's at at a co-working space is there by choice. So there's some reason or set of reasons that they want to be there. And when the, the visual experience is a part of that, I think that says something about the people that are there.
1: Yeah. And it's it aids like I know that art is important in a workspace, but not everybody else does. So it it is important because it's not boring. If a place isn't boring, then you're going to be inspired to do more or be more energetic to get stuff done. And not everybody's going to like one particular piece of artwork. But that's why we bring in a whole bunch of different types of artwork or we experiment with different styles is that way. Somebody's going to be attracted to something or find their place to sit, but it's also always rotating. So you're not going blind and, you you know, just this one wall with a ton of artwork, you're constantly seeing something new. I think that aids to it too, is that it's interesting. You know, when you come in, you're going to be entertained. You know, it's going to lift your spirits. You could be having a bad day and this is going to, these colors, these shapes are going to actually give you a better feeling in, in your heart
0: that's that's a really great point so i want to go back to um that transition from the sean Matarana show at indy hall to inviting other people and i know that there was this interesting challenge in
1: getting people that made art to put art on the walls what was that about (laughs) well it's be i think the main part reason for that is that the walls were not blank I had covered all the walls with either murals or hanging artwork. So there really wasn't space to hang, but I was very willing to move and open up space. I just didn't want to create empty space and then nothing be hung. So it was hard to get people just to, uh, as some said, you know, step on my toes when really um, my toes were way out of the way and I wanted more. I wanted more people to come in because that inspires me to do more. So that was a little bit difficult just to open the doors and actually the doors were always open, but really to get people to walk through them.
0: That's a, a really, it's a really um, like a tangible version of something. That I think Adam and I have talked about on the podcast before and that often the biggest reason people aren't going to contribute to something is because they think it's already done.
1: Sure. And also hanging artwork is intimidating too. In what way? Well, it, because, you know, art is something very personal to people. And either they're worried about negative feedback, but also, um, you know, you're putting your heart out onto a wall where everybody can see. And I think that that was, uh, for some new artists coming in, was a big feat. And when they actually do hang it on the wall, it's this it's a life experience. You know, it's a moment in the timeline of their life.
0: What do you like? What do you say? What you, like? What do you do to help that artist get comfortable? Like, what can you like? What do you actually tell them?
1: I don't know if I tell them, but more ask questions. Is you know, is this something that you want to do as a career? Um, if it's just a personal hobby and you really don't care if people see it, then that's fine. You know, I'm not going to pressure you to do anything you don't want to do. But if it is something that that's you know that you want to do, then yeah, you, ha- you have to take risks. You have to open up. Um, And sometimes I can be a little bit brutal and use the old, you know, Indy Hall saying, JFDI, just fucking do it. And um, and I think that when you have somebody that's behind you and supporting you, then you have a little bit more confidence to do it. And then when you actually do it, because I will ask you every day to do it until you say, no, Sean, leave me alone. Um, I think that then, you know, once you do it, and it's just this rewarding experience and you realize that it really wasn't all that scary and that you now are becoming okay let me try another piece and add another piece and it, now 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 you're beginning your career of showing people what you do right So, so many, so much of this really
0: starts with just really getting that first piece on the wall showing and being comfortable with it being there and it being visible for Mm -hmm. people and a place like a co-working space has got this really interesting element in that um it's got a quite a bit of foot traffic right so we've got our members coming through uh there's other people coming through for tours for events um and many many people comment on how how the art makes the place feel um which which again is uh, just a really great piece of feedback for for us to be getting about why people look forward to coming there is sort of the, the the feel when people talk about the vibe. What is that? And one of the things that I like to tell them is, you know, that vibe is is unique to Indie Hall, and in many ways not totally reproducible, at least not not copyable because it is the sort of it's the artifacts of the people that are there absolutely the fact that we it's it's one thing to sort of go out and you know shop the internet or 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 ikea or whatever to put some nice-looking visual things on your walls. It's another thing entirely for what you were just saying, really to have sort of people's hearts and their lives and their experiences. Mm -hmm. You walk into Indie Hall, and it's got this warmth and this... um, uh, There was a... I can't remember... Gosh, who was it? It was a journalist for... Uh, whatever the heck, some magazine who had done an interview with me. And then he, he said, actually, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. Would you mind if I stop by to take some photos? And I had given our fairly standard interview and in explaining sort of how Indie Hall works, where it came from, and what sets it apart from the usual sort of shared workspace. It's not so much about the workspace, but about the shared part and people sharing experiences. And he walked in and he said, you know, I heard your words and I even wrote them down but I didn't realize what it meant until I walked in the room. And this feels like, you know, when you walk into someone's home and it's like a home that's really well cared for and you can tell that there's like, there's life there. It's lived in people's experiences being quite literally left on the walls. uh, it, It leaves something that's, It's tangible. Like, you can actually feel it. And
1: there's a story behind every piece, statue, artifact that's here at Indie Hall. I mean, um, everything to the furniture, the phone booths that were built by an architect here, um, you know, to, um, somebody's child's drawing that's framed and we put that on the wall to to hang out with, um, artists that are deep into their careers. There's a story behind everything.
0: I think we actually had told that story about um, uh, a member early, early on who. I think that this might have been in episode one of this show. Adam was talking about a member who um, was uh, a little bit tough to get along with, let's say. And uh, I remember one of the things that helped him connect and helped him really just be himself was you inviting him to hang some of his daughter's artwork on the wall. Cause he had said something to the effect of like, you know, one of the things I miss from my old work was I could have some of her art hanging around. And the fact that you treated her artwork the way you treat any other artwork, you thoughtfully, oh, yeah. thoughtfully installed it on the wall behind his mm-hmm. desk. Um, I think it shows, it shows a member, a bit of intent of how, how much we care for that little thing. That's like you said, it's got a story. Um, but it also even if you don't know the stories you can walk around and you can sort of you can you can see these are not off the shelf pieces of art
1: no absolutely they're all hand done and to the note of like the child's artwork it's you know i think that artwork from all ages is absolutely beautiful so there was no reason i was like oh no it's a kids i mean in I wanted to see it up because it was actually really good work and it meant something to him. So instead of just putting tacks through the paper and hanging them out loosely, no, I wanted to bring a professional clips and hang them like they were worth $10 million, you know, like, because to me that that in his heart and his mind, they were, and, um, there's no reason that we should have treated that any differently. And it actually created a great installation because he, she had a lot of pieces
0: yeah yeah it looked really cool so speaking of installations we we made the shift to having the the art gallery and so i guess just to back up for a moment from there uh when we expanded indie hall to take over the ground floor of the building in. we'd been on the second floor for really our entire history across the two different locations we were in when we expanded to the ground floor uh it was bringing on additional cost because there was more space and it was more expensive per square foot. uh, It was additional risk. There was more capital costs because we had to install a a staircase between the floors, all this other stuff. So what was the thing that made it worth it? And in the conversations that that Jeff and I had, and we had with members, the big reason to take it on was to further connect Indie Hall with the neighborhood with the street and having a front door that you can walk in uh, compared to having to go in through a lobby and an elevator and the only way to find your way in an Indy Hall previously was you you had to sort of know where you were going there's no way to accidentally get there and having a a ground floor entrance meant that people could theoretically end up at Indy Hall by accident Mm -hmm. but we had this sort of stretch of space that is Uh, right, right when you walk in and we thought, well, what if we treat that like an art gallery? Now we Mm -hmm. happen to be in a neighborhood that's full of art galleries. So it would in many ways help us fit in sort of old city. Philadelphia is traditionally art galleries and boutiques and things like that. So it's not weird for somebody to walk in to an open door and look at some art. Um, but I
1: think, I think really it was, um, we had the front door and we had the space there and I was creating a lot more artwork here. We, I mean, within that time in the expansion, we created a, uh, I forget how 30 foot mural or something like that uh, with a whole bunch of artists. So the arts was really, there was a lot of energy behind it and I was working on a very large series and it was kind of like, what do I do with this series now? And we, we were there, we had our, our front door and it was just kind of like, I'm inspired by all the other people here experimenting on any project that they're working on so again I wanted to experiment and see what would happen if we uh, hung some artwork and put on a show and treated it like a gallery and it was it was a huge success, but it was also um, it brought in so many more people to see the space and just it really did connect us with the neighborhood at that moment
0: well and you've
1: I mean, you've produced art
0: openings, art gallery openings before that. So what was different about doing it at Indie Hall?
1: Well, I really, I have, but I really, it's, you know, as an artist, you're always hard to find a gallery to get into, or that process is so intimidating and so tiring that um, I wanted to start really creating uh, experiences for myself instead of searching them out and being denied a bunch of times. So, that was good, but it was also that there was already a warmth here that it, that we weren't doing it for my artwork. We weren't just doing it for um, I don't know to open up the door. We weren't doing it just to drink beer. We were doing it to also have our members a place to go and just hang out with each other on a Friday night. I mean, that was really special, and uh, and, and and it it kind of was like everybody was like, "Whoa, okay, this space is now something new." which is awesome because everything new just helps the space grow.
0: Yeah, it was definitely it was an evolution. And I also think back to, um, and I'm, I'm trying to place where this was in a timeline, and I frankly don't remember exactly, but I remember you and I uh, back over at National Mechanics, because that's where all the good stuff happens. Yeah, sure. Um, right. We're at National Mechanics um, grabbing a whiskey and... I, if I remember correctly, this was really me asking you, like, you're the artist, you're the representative of the art community in Philadelphia. And for the people that are listening that either know about Philadelphia's art community, in which case, that's, that's great. Um, But for those of you who don't know, if we're, it's one of the things we're actually known for, Philadelphia is an arts and culture city. It is. And, but it always, to hear that, ah, man, it always comes from. Honestly, I'd only ever heard it from institutions. You know, it's mm. different to hear it from an artist, and to now have this connection to not just you, but sort of you representing not the entire Philadelphia art community. Of course, that's not how it actually works. But no. having having an artist voice, and you and I over a whiskey talking about uh, you know what makes Philadelphia's art community special, what makes it unique, and also. You know what like what's missing what aren 't we doing and it reminded me a lot of the conversations we had early on about indie that led to Indy Hall existing was like what makes Philadelphia unique, what makes Philadelphia special, but what's missing and it was the answers to what 's missing that really led us to understand what Indy Hall even could become um at the point where we really th- we weren 't really thinking about you know, wouldn't it be great if we shared an office? It was more about wouldn't it be great if we were more connected to each other? And you started telling me some similar things about the art community in Philadelphia.
1: The old ways of doing it, especially in Philadelphia, are just not working. And and the biggest thing that I see with any artists, um, young artists or gallery opening up, is that there's no competition. We're all in this game together. We're, we're having fun together. We're having fun growing together. And that's, that's pretty incredible. That's, um, that's something special. And it's only because it's only institutions talking about the art for the most part. Um, we kind of have a blank canvas here and, and to do something really special. And the fact that it's starting out collaborative means that it's it's going to be something incredible.
0: When you said that old way wasn't working and then you mentioned competitiveness is that is that what the old way was? It was scramble uh, for resources or what I was s- the old way?
1: I still see, you know, a lot of people find art galleries or art itself very intimidating, you know, um they can be very stuffy. They can be um Not inviting, you know, you, you know, if you're not wearing the right thing, maybe you don't want to walk into that gallery and, and that's just not the way. I mean, it should be acceptable to anybody or anybody that wants to see it. That's why street art does so well because anybody could look at it. And I think that, um, more internal inside galleries are, you know, adapting to that too. Like you should be able to see it. You should be able to bring your kids. You should be able to bring your family. You should be able to have fun. It's not some quiet library. You know, you, it's it's an experience to witness what's on the walls, and I think that, that we're all adapting to that and, and accepting that, and uh, more people are coming out to see it that either don't know about art and just are enjoying the scene and interesting things to look at, you know.
0: Right, and you know I can just pull a couple of things that came come out of what you just said. Um, one of the biggest ones being you know, it's an experience. Right. And sort of thinking a little more holistically about it's not just coming into a
1: room to look at art on the walls, but there's there's more to it. When you walk through the doors into this space, you should get a different feeling that you're somewhere else. You should really adapt to it. And one example is that, you know, we we did a baseball show and it was all work based on baseball. But to create more of an experience, what we did is we took some of his artwork and we created baseball cards that people can trade. We hung bunting from the top. We, uh, The refreshments was beer, popcorn and Cracker Jacks. You know, it was this this overall. So you really felt like you were at a ball game in a way, you know, and and that to me makes you relate more to what's on the wall and kind of. You know, it's only up for four hours that evening. The doors are only open. So it makes you relate to them very, very quickly and not just, okay, we saw it, let's leave. But when you leave, you're you're taking that feeling home with you or you're taking a small item of, you know, baseball cards or something, you know, home with you that, that lets you remember what that experience was. And, um, you know, we most of the experiences were positive. So it's a very positive
0: feeling, you know. So you mentioned the baseball cards, and so um, I'm going to try and find some photos from that show and link them in the show notes because it's tough to describe what that show looked like, and I don't think you can totally describe what it felt like without having actually been there. But those baseball cards were something really unique. So you took original artwork, and Mike had drawn a series of, I want to say it was like 9 or 11 or something like that, uh, baseball players. Yeah, just the portraits. Portrait, Mm -hmm. like portrait sketches, and to turn them into sort of replica baseball cards, Uh, and then there was a there was actually a a contest built into it. So the cards weren't something to give away; they were actually something that people could buy. So you're coming in. This is also like about uh, we were talking about like inviting people in at at almost different levels. When people think about buying art, they generally think about okay, that's going to be really expensive. I can't afford that, or it's like Mm -hmm. that's for pretentious people. And you took a piece of artwork and made it accessible to the point where somebody wouldn't even think about any of those barriers by making it a baseball card.
1: Yeah, and that that was it. It was it was it started that we wanted to well sell something to people that you know at a very low cost, so you know you could take something home and. Um, so we designed the cards. We were very particular. We put stats on them for the particular baseball, uh, players that they were for. We packaged them and wrapped them in beautiful, uh, paper that we stamped with, uh, ink. And, um, and that was, that was just the low cost item that people could just come in and just with, you know, pocket change, they could purchase and, and be a part of the experience. What we did is we also put a couple golden tickets in these packs that uh if you found one uh you won one of the artworks on the wall. One of the one
0: of the one of the original
1: pieces. One of the original pieces, yeah. And that was pretty cool because then there was this kind of game that people could interact with. And uh that was that was actually pretty special. But the greatest thing about that is what we didn't expect um was well we didn't expect people really hunting for these golden tickets. They really wanted that artwork. Um, but they also They started trading the baseball cards like you would baseball cards, and we didn't expect that, and that was really cool because now they weren't just interacting with us or the artwork. They were interacting with each other, and that was really, really special.
0: Yeah, and something that fits with really sort of an indie indie hall ideology of sorts which is trying to create experiences that help strangers connect with people that they wouldn't otherwise normally connect with yeah uh and that having that as one of the earliest shows that we did i it was one of the things that said to me i think we can do something a little bit different here because i mean if nothing else we don't As a co-working space, we're in this unique advantage. And as a co-working space that is already self-sustaining, we're in an even more unique advantage because the square footage of this gallery space is already paid for. Other than staff, one of the biggest capital costs of running an art gallery is paying your rent, right? Or make enough money from art to pay your baseline bills before you can even start paying yourself. And Indie Hall's got this really cool opportunity to... Uh, You know, that space is already paid for and we were going to walk through it anyway. So not only does it uh, sort of give us the opportunity to do something that really almost no other gallery could do because we can put the emphasis on create on inviting artists to create art that will connect with people instead of creating art for art buyers that are ready to pay thousands of dollars because really, that's how these galleries stay afloat, right? It's it's, sure. a, it's a handful of pieces being sold each show at like in highly inflated prices to collectors. But mm-hmm. most of Philadelphia, getting back to what I was saying before about what people know about the Philadelphia art scene, it's a great city for arts education. It's a great city for cost of living. You know, artists can live here and own property. There's not a lot of other cities that are as supportive of the arts where you can own on a home or on a warehouse or something like that, but of all the things that are great about our city for artists, the biggest weakness is art buyers. We don't got them.
1: No, we don't. And I, I you know, I see like the the very progressive galleries now. The young galleries coming up they do offer affordable artwork you know and uh like arch enemy arts and paradigm gallery they do have these opportunities of these incredible high-end artists creating low-cost items that anybody can purchase but i don't see people actually coming here people come here to see the artwork but they don't necessarily come here to buy the artwork i don't think that we're buying city yet
0: yeah so we've got the ability to create or invite the creation of and the sale of art sort of at a different price point and different styles, right? You know, the, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be the styles that appeal to the high ticket art collectors. It can be styles that people
1: in our community like. And We're very the, experimental in that way, yes.
0: Yeah. And since the art is coming from p- people in our community, the odds of that connection being made are, are that much greater. Mm. One of the other things that I remember from that whiskey conversation at National Mechanics <laughs> was the collaborative nature. Right. Um, and you know, because it's a city, if it's not, you know, the art makers have a reputation, but the resources are, you know, we think about resources, it's things like funding. Right. And when the, if, if a scene is known for the uh, access to funding, I think one of the sort of secondary effects of that is people are inherently more competitive. Sure okay yeah because if they right because if if it's a if it's a pool of artists that are all going after the same pool of whether it's funding or gallery space or uh, whatever it is there's only so much to go around and the uh, that starts chipping away at you know people's ability to work together competitiveness is sort of this erosion of mm-hmm. of that collaboration but because indeed our our gallery was not about a finite resource. And granted we've only got so much wall space. Sure. But it was more about what can we do that no one else can do. It invited collaboration. And I think the first big example of that was the was the the music inspiring art show, right? Was that the first big collaborative show that we did? That was
1: the, yeah, absolutely. That was, there was thousands of people came to that art show. And uh, we had, I think, 20, 25 artists participate in that of all different genres. And and most of the artists that came through were kind of uh, in our extended community. And it was, uh, that was special because we were, it was just that. There was just, we just wanted to do it together. This was an opportunity because we don't get these opportunities just to do something together. And that was uh, we were all motivating people to do our best work and and show it, and we're sharing it with each other as progress was going, just to motivate the other person to do theirs better. And it was just oh, it was just very special.
0: I was actually I had a conversation with uh, with Sonia. Sonia Petruzz is one of mm-hmm. the uh, members of Indie Hall who uh, is an artist among other things as well. That's another cool thing is a lot of the artists in our community are unlike yourself. They're not full-time artists, but this entire yeah. experience has invited the artist in many people to come out.
1: Well, a lot of people don't realize that they can be full-time artists. And I think that something that has here is when people see either me doing it or other people doing it or just the excitement, they're like, okay, maybe this can be a thing. You know, Maybe they're not realizing it can be a full-time thing, but they know now it can at least be a bigger part of their life. And it's not intimidating to do anymore.
0: Right, and that there's a group of people that are there to support them, and you mm-hmm. know, people are going to get just ex- as excited about their show as they are about you, who's a professional, you know, yes. full-time fine artist. I think that's a pretty, pretty cool experience that the public's going to be invited in with sort of just as much excitement.
1: Yeah, we're going to celebrate it. You know, it's celebrate their accomplishments. That's that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. So the the music inspiring art show being this big collaborative show open open call oh i remember what i was saying sonia's uh sonia's mother now again 3ish years later yeah. um she brought it up she remembered it as as just a really unique experience um, mm-hmm. the fact that our our gallery openings are more of a celebration also tends to leave an impact on people so all of these little things add up to if you know we're not a traditional art gallery not specifically for the sake of bucking a trend, but because, like you said before, it's a blank canvas. Given a blank canvas, why would you do the same thing that you've always done versus look at the opportunities to experiment and try something new?
1: Absolutely. And and because of that we were able to then experiment doing concerts. So we you know Donnie Felton, a musician here, a member at Indy Hall, wanted to do concerts. And I was like, well why can't we take that to a different level and have a visual element and then a you know a tasting element of, you know, wine or cheese or something. So we created a synesthesia series. Then that grew into a larger concert where we brought in a uh, fashion design and I was able to collaborate with a fashion designer and uh create a gown a dress and also have the music playing and bring in other visual arts to create the space and uh so I mean it's just it keeps going it doesn't stop
0: well and the other cool thing about those bigger events also is it's given us an opportunity to invite members of the community who aren't necessarily artists to support it uh and, and it, it's one of those things that i've seen bring people closer uh, one of the stories that just sort of sticks out in my mind was that um the big synesthesia fashion event uh and, and this was a a substantial event there was a lot yeah. of moving parts a lot of moving parts um and it's one of those things where i said i said to you afterwards and you know sean Sh- is without a doubt his worst critic uh his own worst critic <laughs> um and I don't start star. Yeah, and I don't think you realized how truly remarkable that event was in the fact that there were so many moving parts from so many different artists that depended on each other. I think that was the escalation from the music inspiring art show, which was a call for artists to contribute on a theme. But I mean honestly, if somebody didn't come through it wasn't that big of a deal. Sure. Um disappointing sure, but not the end of the world. The synesthesia show with all these artists intertwined and truly collaborating, that was something it took, you know, 3 years of of learning and experimenting and figuring out what what's even possible and what it takes to uh, you know, to be able to pull it off. It's no small feat to have that many different artists from different genres different disciplines with different schedules uh different just realities of their own come together and for an event to appear so flawlessly executed the reason for that is that those people were there to support each other it was not their show with somebody else it was them contributing to something bigger uh, and producing something that they couldn't do on their own and that included people who were not even contributing to the art. So I think of one of our members, uh, Stefan. Uh, Stefan's involved in tons of things these days. But that show happened, he had been around for maybe three or four months at this point. Um, and I remember to him saying to me after synesthesia which he had volunteered to basically be security to watch mm-hmm. you know watch, watch over watch one of the um you know traffic patterns to make sure people weren't going where they weren't supposed to go sure yeah you know a an important task but you know not something we were asking a huge thing of him and he said to me and I, I don't know if he said something along these lines to you that being just being a part of it being able to contribute to it made him feel like he understood Indy hall better right understood that it was something he could contribute to even in small ways helped add up to a bigger thing because it wasn't so much that we needed stefan to well, do security it was part of that event happening flawlessly was we needed people to make sure that people weren't going where they weren't supposed to and that requires someone's effort and attention.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was, it was a bunch of members there that helped out, and I, I didn't really hear that or, you know, pay attention. I was working most of the night, but, um, but it was, it was also, it was people that we trust because they're members to work on it, and that's something special on my end, and it was just keep, not keeping people from, going where they shouldn't because it was dangerous or we had something, but it was just to keep them involved and centered into this main experience. We didn't want them to step out of the experience, too. But um, And now I'm seeing that, that yeah, that is something special. I mean, Rachel Ford was able to come down and be a part of Indy Hall when she's not a part of Indie Hall right now, the fashion designer. Um, but having the Indie Hall members just being a part of it, that was, I mean, hearing that it was special to Stefan is cool, but it was very special to me. Um, just having my group of peers that I see every day, that I hang out with every day, uh, be a part of it—that was that was special. Yeah. For me.
0: Yeah, I think it's really it's really critical to to note <sighs> that the just the way that these things com- come together. It's not these art events happening in Indie Hall, and therefore they've somehow adopted the Indie Hall brand. It's they're happening by the hand of Indie Hall community members. And they're happening for and with Indie Hall community members. So in the same way that you would produce a, you know, a meetup or you know a knowledge-sharing event in a co-working space, these serve a, a, a similar purpose in a lot of ways uh, in bringing people together but also showing people a side of each other that uh, isn't always exposed by their day-to-day work.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we can go to the same bar and same happy hours all the time, but this is just a different experience that we can experience together. I mean, nobody really knows what's going to happen until the night of. And, uh, we, we can take that in together. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just an added event that we can do. So, sort of like where where has all this led us
0: to? So we've got a, you know, the better part of a. Let's see, two thousand and and nine was when we uh, started doing, or you started
1: doing mural work. So we've got the better part sure. of a five year journey of mm-hmm. art. Two thousand and twelve, we started the art gallery type right. stuff. Um, and,
0: and, and inviting more artists, and that group of artists has grown to something substantial. So, what like, what are we at now?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I have no idea. We have a bunch, and I think it's growing every day, too, because members of... That- either are hobbyists are starting to come out with their crafts and just starting to be a little bit more open with their artwork uh, because they see other people doing it here um, but before you know a lot of the shows that we've done in the past were um, kind of outside community members you know in the neighborhood or artists that I know that I'm inviting in to do a show um, but now we we kind of have a waiting list on the inside of members that want to do shows. And uh, it wasn't it was so easy. It took five minutes to book up the spring, the spring coming up of shows with some incredible artists and designers that um, I, I really can't wait to see it on the walls.
0: And by being able to book an entire show sort of in one motion, one of the cool things is, is we're able to produce it more like a series where it's, it's not a show and then a show and then a show. It's more of a, a continuum of that uh, they're all sort of under one banner.
1: Yeah, I see it as a season. I see it as a uh, three, four month kind of festival. you know it, it, We have our openings, you know, but we should start having our closings and we, we it just continue throughout the months because it is. It's just kind of like an, it's an everyday thing, especially to the members here at Indy Hall walking through and seeing it and then the next month it's switched out.
0: Well, and, and it's also invited, like, some more activity to happen at Indy Hall. So, um, like, the we actually had one of our was, – it was effectively a storage room. Um, there was a place <laughs> where we kept sort of tools and equipment and things like that. And because it was sort of an – it didn't get a lot of foot traffic. It's, you know, it's like your hallway closet that you toss stuff in. And then every couple of years, like, I really got to empty that thing out, The, the this, this – Closet, effectively, this room, it was a um, sort of a turned-down bathroom, actually, was sort of the bane of my existence. It was one of my least <laughs> favorite corners of Indy Hall, and a couple of members of our community um, sort of saw... Other people taking an initiative to create these kinds of experiences and, and say, well, what if we did our own? And within a few weeks of each other, we had one conversation about folks who wanted to set up a dark room to start doing some traditional mm-hmm. photography development. Uh, and another group of members crowdfund a screen printing setup. Yes and both things sort of had similar needs in terms of processing chemicals controlled light uh, and things like that and so a opportunity introduced those two creative uh, uh, groups of interests to each other and both of them have been producing stuff basically every week since that that kicked off and that's contributing to the uh, some of the shows that are happening. Or have happened. We had some screen printed uh, things in in sort of the December pop up gallery show, mm-hmm. um, and then Michael's Michael's work.
1: Yeah, Michael Norcross has a show um, in May, and uh, it's he's a he's a designer, an incredible designer, and he's going to be screen printing all of his stuff, which is really cool because we have this space and he can create it all here, not just him doing it it's him teaching other people while he's doing it it's people um saying okay i could learn this and just getting their hands dirty on it too um and i haven't witnessed one member be shy about asking or michael be shy about teaching and and same thing with the dark room on that end um see group buzz posts about uh i'm I'm gonna be in the the space this weekend if you want to learn please let me know. You know, it's offering up. It's not just one person in the room doing something. It's offering it up to anybody that wants to play.
0: I think this is all all sort of coming back full, full circle to um, sort of the, the, the core strength of indie Hall in addition to introducing people to people that wouldn't otherwise meet. But that sharing of knowledge and that sort of collective growth, everyone has something that somebody else would benefit from knowing or being able to do. And when trust is built and those things can sort of move fluidly, people do more stuff. I want to wrap today up, but we're going to we're going to have to come back and talk some more because the spring series that's that's coming up um, and sort of, you know, where do we go from here? I would love uh, to is something that I'm really excited about for this year, Um, being able to have more focus on on this. Everything that we've talked about in this hour has really sort of happened Believe it or not, sort of in the edges. This is not something that has been a full-time effort from any one person. It's been lots of people contributing. I mean, during show season, you put in tons of tons and tons and tons of time. Um, but that's also in addition to your normal work that you do as as an artist. Uh, so, seeing how this year we turn this into a sustainable thing and the fact that indie hall arts has grown into a thing where there is a really strong vibrant subcommunity. the fact that we can fill up a gallery uh season in in moments also means that we've got uh lots i think we're, we're right at a, at a turning point for um for if we take a good hard look and this is what we're doing right now taking a good hard look at sort of how we got to where we are what we've been Good at Mm -hmm. uh, and what is
1: unique about what we're good at in in Philadelphia, and then also what problems are left, right? Well, you know, yeah, and the growth of it has happened kind of organically, and people just coming and doing it. it wasn't like trying to ask somebody or beg somebody to do something. And I think that since that has grown organically, I think we're at this point where now it's time to see how we can support the movement support the people here so they can spend more time doing it and actually see it as a not just a lifestyle but actually a living and um that's that's going to be really special for this year
0: anything else you're you're excited about for this year sean
1: well i mean we have the uh, spring show me personally i'm working on a new um uh, series but also me personally, and also working with the other artists and actually setting up their businesses as you know getting their plans, setting some deadlines and and doing it all together, you know folding each other. Uh, accountable for creating and, and making it a living.
0: Yeah yeah I think this is this is a, a leveling up of what we've done so far. super excited to see where we go. We'll definitely absolutely have you back um, Love to. For, for the folks that are out there listening how can they follow you how can they see you doing your work?
1: Um, really uh, Instagram is the best, but if you just look up my name, Sean Martirana, and I'm sure we'll have it posted, but it's S E A N M A R T O R A N A. If you just look that up on Instagram or really Twitter or anything, I'm always online doing something.
0: Check out Sean's stuff. Watching Sean's Instagram is is a really, really fascinating thing. You'll get glimpses of Indy Hall, you get glimpses of his studio at home, people working together, and it'll definitely be a thing to follow as uh, as the spring rolls forward. Also, Indie Hall underscore arts on instagram and twitter is that right instagram and twitter yes are worth checking out as well that includes the visual art stuff that we've been talking about but it also includes a bunch of really cool things happening in the literary arts that we didn't even get to talk about today uh red sofa salon from Hilo retzabi and the the ladies that from lanternfish press that are doing you know they're, they're a small press publishing company that they met at Indie Hall. They collaborated at Indie Hall. They're doing original artwork, origin, original, original uh, typesetting of local authors' books. Super, super cool, and really, very, very similar stories to the kind of stuff we talked about today. Absolutely, cool. Thanks for taking some time today, Sean. And thank you for having me. This is awesome. I will. I will see you over at Indie Hall. Yeah, man. All right. Peace out. Peace. Now before I sign off for this episode, here's my favorite iTunes review from this past week. I chose one from Aiden Green in Australia, which I think makes this review the current winner for Long Distance Listener. (laughs) So Aiden says, I've been reading your blog, but hearing the podcast really helps with the more personal content being that much greater. Thanks. Well, thank you, Aiden, and I'm glad to hear that being able to have the conversations Just talk through this stuff makes it easier to understand now remember if you'd like to be able to hear your review on the show head over to itunes or go to coworkingweekly.com slash show click the blue button to open up itunes and go ahead over and leave a review and if you leave some information about who you are where in the world you are i'll be sure to mention that in the review as well that's it for this week i hope you have a truly great rest of your day